partner with us at patreon.com forward slash the theology pit for $10 a month. You get all of these interviews, all the stuff that I do immediately without having to wait weeks and weeks and weeks for it to come out. How awesome is that? Well, hey everybody, welcome back to The Theology Pit. This is Theology Out of Pittsburgh, and not to be confused with a bottomless pit, because you know what we say, when you fall into a bottomless pit, you die of dehydration. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, podcaster, seminarian, theologian, Samson Kovach. Well, I'm not a seminarian anymore. I'm just so used to saying that over the years. No, I'm a pastor, I'm a theologian, and I'm your favorite. So I guess we could say that. I'm a favorite neighborhood one also, you know. I'm like Spider-Sam, you can call me that, I guess. No, don't call me that, I don't know. Anyways, hey, sorry this is coming out a little bit late, but you know, this is the final conclusion of our interview within Pentecostalism. Next week, uh, we are going to be looking at um, Christianity within an African context with uh, a friend of mine uh, named Dan from uh, Kenya. He's from northern Kenya, uh, a little place called Marsabit. And um, that's going to be really interesting because I'm asking him about African tribalism and, you know, other kinds of stuff. But here in this interview, you're going to want to stay tuned for this final one because Dave kind of turns the tables on me and he asks me, uh, a question about Black Lives Matter, and I actually answer it. So, you know, sit back, grab a cup of Joe, or maybe you're at work, and just uh, take a listen in to this final segment here in understanding Pentecostalism. Or you're not, or getting into heaven on your grandma's faith. Oh, yeah. I mean, stuff like that and everything, too. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's. But, uh, it's, but it's like, it, but even that, then they would say, well, yeah, I know. It's, it's my faith. It's like, no, it's Jesus Christ. This, this okay we got to centralize this here yeah. this is yeah. there's a reason why i mean there's a reason why his life mattered and why he wasn't just killed as a baby because i've made that argument before I, I i've said that if people say well it's just about the death of christ i'm like well why not kill him as a baby then i mean theologically we could make the same thing happen sure the young lamb was brought into the family of a couple years it lived with the family for a while it, it sacrifice was made. They put the blood on the doorpost, the Passover. I was like, we could theologically do enough, you know, gymnastics to make that work. But if there's more, then that that can't work. And I think that that's that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. And especially when we look at the early church and how they held to that understanding of Christ's life and the way that he lived was the reason for the way that he died and his resurrection and ascension, and that he representing us. We are to follow our master in that in that path. I can't disagree. Okay. Well, I just I, I certainly I, don't disagree. And that's why I was um, <clears throat> yeah, that's why I was getting at you know that question of like you know what is the sine qua non? What is the without which not for someone to be saved? And that just seems like such an important piece of information. Yeah. But but if you took let, let's say that you took just the justification aspect of it and the glorification it's, aspect of it, yeah. okay, and you took away the sanctification aspect of it, you would you would probably be more tempted to say, well, that person's probably not saved. There is no. Um, well, you know, if you did that, then you could live like the devil and still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There would be what's what's called orthocardia. There is no right heart. There is no you know that yeah. aspect of it. There is no that manifestation of the the change that occurs in your life. I mean, right. Romans, you know, six and seven, like Paul really goes through why you don't sin. Like the, here, here's the reasons why. And, um, and, and he, he sta- um, states it in, in three different reasons, 
But the point is, is that why why do we feel that it's not we can't remove that with if you remove that you are not saved but yet or even that understanding and you're not saved but yet we can remove the glorification, the glorification. aspect of, and we're and we're fine with that yeah and and i really bring that down to um luther's understanding of sin and it was um in curvis in say where, where you're you're literally turning in on yourself and you're only focused on yourself it's ultimate selfishness and it's like is 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 that what we're doing when when somebody gets they say i'm i'm saved and then all of a sudden it just all becomes about me i'm doing right i'm living the right way i'm just i'm 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 and that's all that they talk about is is what they're doing and what's going on with them and it's like why aren't you focused on others yeah why aren't you telling other paul doesn't people? leave paul doesn't give you any any uh chance to focus on yourself no every time he says something it's about others galatians 5 yeah the fruit of the spirit just did a study take, yeah take the fruit <laughs> of the spirit how many of those are for yeah. yourself yeah. they're all for other people what about the it's gifts all, yeah they're all for other people yeah that's it and um yeah and and so it just i i always i always kind of get surprised within our within our theology just as protestants that it's like maybe we need to and i hate to say i hate to say this because i don't want it to sound bad but it's like maybe we should focus more on christ and his work than we do on ourselves and the way that we behave because i know some people are going to take that and use it for um you know a a a door of licentiousness or oh i can just go and do whatever i want which was what paul was running into you know he's like no don't you understand you're actually free to serve other people like that's the point is to not think of yourself and go and give what you've been given Mm -hmm. and move in that direction yeah and so i didn't mean to you know hey our mothers our mothers my wife's um study our study that we've been doing together in the morning Mm -hmm. is all about paul and what he says about serving others and how important it is in the midst of a COVID thing that we realize that it's not about us. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. about others. And I preached the last three sermons. Division is coming to the church because we're not, we're more interested in self than we are. Precisely. Others. Yeah. So, and, and perhaps the way that we're delivering the gospel i think maybe we need to be a little more full in our full gospel message with go. with that and uh you know didn't want to end on a you know a down note oh, or anything not, but it's, it's like but it's just it's something that's just always been on my heart that i've just always noticed and if you've ever done any um like evangelism with atheists and you know um and talking with them and asking them um because people always ask me, well, how do you start a conversation with atheists? I'm like, oh, the Columbo method. I just play dumb. Yeah. I assume everyone's a Christian. I walk up to them. Hey, yeah. how's it going? What church do you go to? Oh, I don't go to church. Oh, you don't? why not? I don't believe in God. Okay. You don't believe? Did you ever go to church? Uh, yeah. One time right. in my life. Oh, okay. Well, so, <laughs> so what do Christians believe? Well, um, I, I don't really know. I just see people like Joel Osteen and people, you know... Uh, uh, what's his name that bought like the fourth jet and and just spend all this money and he's yeah, like oh and I, and he's like and I just don't like that and I'm like you know what I'm a Christian and I don't care for that either you know and so it opens the door that way it, but when it you does. but when you ask but when you come across enough atheists that all have the same story I was raised in church mm-hmm. all right tell me what you believe tell me about the Christian faith and they can't do it I'm like we're failing. 
we are not making disciples. A couple of times We're I've run into atheists that know almost better than I do hmm. what the what the scripture. I mean, even the doesn't the word say even the enemy knows? Oh yeah, yeah. He knows everything about. You know. And those people usually come down to, um, well, it's not that you don't believe God exists. It's that you don't like the way he runs things. Exactly. Or they were hurt in the church. Yeah. That's another big one, too. And that's and it's that's like, what I run into all like, the time. Well, I, allow me then to apologize on behalf of the church, on behalf of every Christian that has hurt you. Let me apologize because that is not what Christ is about. All right. I'm going to ask oh, you okay. a question. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. How should the church, how should the church today react to... Um, Black Lives Matter and different forms of um, that we see people actually bowing on their knee to say, you know, hey, I'm sorry for whatever. Um, I just am interested in what your thought is in regard to that. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> I've been part of a lot of um, racial reconciliation um, lectures, I call them, because they're hardly conversations. Um, I've read some of the books, the new Jim Crow law, for example, and getting that understanding. But um, when you came in earlier, we, we kind of talked about the COVID thing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I said, I meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. So with the Black Lives Matter, you really have two separate things going on. You have the Black Lives Matter organization that almost every black priest or pastor that I've talked to that knows about it. Uh, rejects it. Yeah. Then you have the slogan "Black Lives Matter." Mm -hmm. That's more where people are at now. The people that don't can't tell the difference between the two, they get a problem because the Black Lives Matter organization is a Marxist organization that is set on dismantling and destroying the country. They are pro um, LGBTQ yes. uh, education and push. It's it's an it's a political power dynamic that that is that is a movement there that needs to be separate than the the black lives matter slogan because what the black lives matter slogan is they're not saying that all lives don't matter what they're saying is we feel the need to say that black lives matter because we feel that they are in danger so we're not saying that other lives don't matter we just feel it necessary to say the body took a fall and, and got hurt and this it, like your wrist got hurt and this is the wrist that is hurting not saying that the rest of the body doesn't matter but right now right. we need to focus on this right. and when you talk to them and you say okay what, what, what are we focusing on what has happened and they start um, giving talking points and some of them are you know 400 years of slavery and oppression in the United States is one of them and that's largely coming from um, some the works of Howard Zinn his um, Young People's uh, American History which is one of the only history books I've ever read that doesn't have any footnotes in it or citations um, I when I read through that I think I have over 100 notes that I wrote on that just correcting a lot of the things mm -hmm. that are occurring and it's a lot of selective uh, history sure. um, the new Jim Crow law picks up on a lot of that and starts moving in that direction and now you have the 1619 project yeah. which is almost complete revisionist history but it's now being taught I mean they won a Pulitzer like for it and, and it's being taught in schools it's part of curriculum now to teach these sort of things so people have this impression they have this idea and you need to come alongside them and say it, it's it's I'll give you I'll give you a little analogy here whenever I've talked to Roman Catholics 
Um, I obviously don't agree with Roman Catholicism. If I did, I'd be a Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. But in, in talking with them, Roman Catholics are used to people who don't know about Roman Catholicism and just say all kinds of crazy outlandish stuff that they may not know or may not believe. And I've talked with them, and probably for the first half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, I've studied Roman Catholicism enough, I can speak the language. And there always comes a point where they say to me, so why aren't you Roman Catholic if you know all this stuff? Now they're ready to listen. Yeah, They're ready to hear. Mm -hmm. So talking with somebody that is very pro Black Lives Matter, not the organization, but right. the, the, the historicism of it. I have that background. I can talk with them through this. And, and I could just say, what if, hypothetically, I see history this way in the United States, that America's founding was in, the United States of America's founding was in 1789, when the Constitution was ratified and you had the states, that that is what started our country. And from uh, 1789 to 1865, there was slavery. Mm -hmm. And from 1865 to today, there was not. Now, that means that our country has existed without slavery longer than it had with. And you look at the movements and you look at what has transpired in there. What if the uh, certain party affiliations uh, actually had that slaveholding mentality and just continued to move into it throughout history? Um, if you've been told that Republicans are all racist and they are the ones that are all pro-slavery and have done all that, and you can show the Republican Party being formed in order to do away with slavery, what do you say about that? How do you work through that? And you, you meet them where they're at with their history, and then you take them through, why doesn't this line up with what has actually happened? You know, when you look at um, you know, the Trail of Tears, and what um, Andrew Jackson did, and then Martin Van Buren after him in, in, in the Trail of Tears, the start of the Democrat Party and their ideology. When you read through things like the, um, the slave narratives, which are found in the Library of Congress, I've read a couple of volumes of it, which was a project in the 1930s where they went with audio recordings to find um, people who were slaves and, um, and, and we're still alive and to get their stories and record them and they wrote them out phonetically but you can still find a couple of the, uh, the actual recordings but there are volumes of this stuff written mm -hmm. and you read back and you look at what they say and their mentality and, and what they are saying about political parties about um, the certain movements that are occurring the certain things that are happening why does their history not align with this history that you're that you're talking about, yeah, and so I, I move in that direction with them, and and as someone who is you know a historian, like that's what my my master's so, degree is in. So basically, you're saying that the people today who are saying Black Lives Matter, not the not the Marxist group, but the others, probably should take a lesson in history. Pit is a partner-funded ministry. Please consider partnering with us by making a donation at thetheologypit.com. Just scroll to the bottom of the page, hit the donate button, and make a contribution to the best Theology Pit podcast on the internet. Now let's get back to the show. 
Well, I think they need to do two things. First, I think that they need to understand is what they're saying um, lining up with the organization. If they say, well, I agree with the organization, well, what does the organization agree with? Because and this is this is the difference between this movement and why in, in the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the organizational movement, and, and even in some of the protests and things like that, the, the characteristic, the defining characteristic of why it's not Christian is that because there is no forgiveness and there is no redemption in that movement. You can apologize and feel bad all day long and it doesn't matter. Only in Christ is there That's redemption. Right. That's right. And, and so if somebody is a Christian and they are part of the you know, Black Lives Matter like movement and things like that, you have to disarm them. Because once people get emotional, then it, it, it will destroy the conversation. They can't hear right. after that. Right. I had a friend um, in, in seminary when we were going through these rec- racial reconciliation. He was talking to a, uh, a woman who was black. And she was so emotional that when he said to her, I just want to be able to live in a country and, and, and under and have a conversation where people aren't judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And she said to him, well, that's not good enough. And he was like, wow, one of the most famous quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. about what he looked for. Why he was here. She couldn't hear mm-hmm. it be because of the emotionality. Mm-hmm. Because when you're fed um, bad statistics... And, and you're fed like all these wild ac- accusations of, right. of police brutality. When, when the unity marches were going on here, um, a friend of mine asked me, are you going to be a part of it? Is your church going to be part of it? And I said, I said, no. And he said, why not? And I said, I don't know what they're marching for. And he said, are you kidding? I said, no. What is it? Is it pre- police brutality? Is it racism? Is it for Black Lives Matter? The organization? Is it for Black Lives Matter? The, the, the slogan? I was like, what are they marching for? If you went and interviewed them, you would get a whole bunch of different answers. Yeah. I mean, there are people with pro, you know, Joe Biden shirts on. Was that it? Was it a political march? What was it? Well, I said, I have a feeling that it is just to give the optics of the Black Lives Matter organization movement is here in Beaver County. And I was proven right because after it happened, when the media reported on it, it identified it as a Black Lives Matter that's what it was. movement. Yeah. And that's why I said I was Because like, we even talked about we even talked about getting involved. Mm-hmm. And if the church got involved, what would its response be? Uh, the response of the church would be, uh, if it did get involved, it would be a calming influence. It wouldn't be that we were picking any sides. We weren't marching for any sides. Mm-hmm. We would be marching under the banner of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, try to be a try to be a calming influence. But we decided that that wouldn't be received very well. It wouldn't be received at all. It would never be so, seen. So we your would, yeah. your numbers would have added to the pro Marxist pro homosexual yeah. agenda. Well, the next time I host your show, <laughs> <laughs> the next time can can you talk a little bit about the woke church? You don't have to do that now because that's a big Yeah, issue. yeah. But the woke church is something I've been studying a lot about lately. Before before you leave and, and when we're done here, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a quick like two minute video that I showed my wife and she was laughing so hard because it it, it nailed it. But yeah. that won't even be in the show notes. That's gonna be for people to try and figure out on their own what we're talking okay. about. Okay. All right. But Dave, I appreciate you being here. Thank hey, you so much for I love you, brother. This. Love you too. And, and this is awesome. Thanks for yeah, asking me. You're welcome. Appreciate it. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, that interview that I did with Dave. Uh, if you want to hear more interviews like this, let me know. Um, you know, send me an email at you know Samson at the theologypit.com and uh, let me know 
you know, or, you know, what tradition? Uh, there are different traditions. I would like to, you know, interview uh, Lutherans and Anglicans and Baptists and in, in the same way same type of discussion and, and, and talking with them um, and just trying to find out, okay, what makes you so different? You know, uh, Wesleyans and even Arminians or what have you, or maybe you are a pastor or somebody that would, um, you know, like to have a discussion about your particular tradition or a particular um I don't know, uh, theological viewpoint here uh, with the technology of Skype and other uh, forms of communication and recording that we do, um, we can make that happen. Also, if you want to um, check out the Theology Pit on YouTube, there's always different stuff on YouTube than what you're hearing here. Uh, I also do Divergent Theology with Michael Patton. We've had some great series. If you haven't listened to that, you you need to check it out. We did a series on um, Scripture alone, what that means, that concept. And um, we also did one on justification by faith alone, where I I deny that... um, you know, it's a core understanding of what that doctrine is and uh, what I replace it with. And so you can go and check those out. Um, all of those series are out and available to watch. And we're starting a new series that'll be coming up on uh, Divergent Theology. Um, Divergent Theology is not only on YouTube, but it, it's also a podcast uh, that you can listen to. Just search. Don't forget to set. Um, you know, your, uh, I guess you don't really set it, but go, you know, leave a, a, a comment and a like on all of these different things as you can. It really helps us out. And I'm just really doing this just to kill time. But there are different, you know, theological topics that I do want to talk about. Um, I, I think that it's better whenever I'm talking with somebody else so that they can kind of bounce ideas off of me. And I can get a reaction because one of the problems that I tend to have, and you guys as my audience probably know this, is that I unload a lot of information onto you and I don't know if you're processing it or not. <laughs> you know, I'm hoping that you are, but I've gotten feedback that some of you go back and listen to the same podcast over and over and over again to um, get that understanding. And that's great. Like I'm, I'm real happy about that. Um, another thing that you can do that really helps me out is, um, you know, become a, a patron on Patreon at the Theology Pit. Now, if you like these interviews, and I said this in the beginning of the podcast, all these interviews in their entirety, you will get, you know, all at once. The one that's coming up with Dan, um, you know, is almost two hours long um, about, you know, being a Christian and being African and is uh, yeah, specifically Kenyan, but with the other countries that are around Kenya, what that's like and what it's like sort of being over here in America, some similarities and differences, um, especially dealing with African tribalism. And if you're not familiar with African tribalism, it's a, um, it's a very interesting, uh, thing that I became aware of when I was in seminary, when I was, um, you know, working with people from Africa and, you know, we were studying together and, you know, of course, sharing our lives together in seminary as you do and, um, not realizing really how deep African tribalism goes, what it means to be a part of a tribe and what it means to not be a part of other tribes, how you're treated 
how you're treated uh, when it comes to employment, how you're treated um, just in, in, in life in general. And um, what happens if you're a blend of tribes? Now, Dan has asked me to edit out a few things because he, he listened back to the audio and he said, you know what? I actually said some things I probably shouldn't have said. And I named some names that I probably shouldn't have named. And, you know, could you please edit that out? And, and it's for safety reasons. Um, and so I'm going to uh, have to go through and, and take out some of the stuff that he said that he asked me to you know, take out. So know that when it's it's edited, I'm not selectively editing, um, you know, for my purposes, but just for safety reasons. There are a lot of people in America, especially atheists, that get annoyed when Christians talk about being persecuted, and they act like Christian persecution doesn't exist. When the 20th century was the bloodiest century not only in the secular world, but in the Christian world, more Christians were martyred because of their faith around the world in the 20th century than all 19 centuries added up together. I mean, and that's, that's, that's true Christian persecution. And we're and it continues on today in the 21st century. Um, you can see it in China, especially it's, it's on full display. So when we say that Christians are being persecuted, it's a real thing and Christianity because it's a global religion and I mean it's it's becoming a very large Asian religion there are probably more practicing Christians in um, you know the Asiana area than um, there are in in the West and pretty soon Christianity will probably be known as a you know an oriental religion uh, maybe that'll make it more appealing to, uh, to, to atheists and spiritualist peoples. And I say that in, in, you know, in quotes, because spiritualists are always looking to the far East. Oh, what is their, their mystic understanding? And now the, that, you know, that mystic understanding is becoming Christianity. And in a way, it's a, a passive rejection of everything that came forth. Um, and, and so, you know, with, with, uh, Buddhism and uh, Taoism and all the other types of like enlightenment movements and stuff um, that are more like new agey and that the new age people are taking because it's, it's more because it's different. It's not, uh, you don't talk to new age people who have rejected Christianity as though they know anything about Christianity. They know about the folklore of Christianity. They know about what, you know, this, that, or the other thing is with, um, with, with the Christian faith, but they don't seem to, grasp the concept of what Christian they, they couldn't articulate it and they certainly if they if they claimed that they were Christians or brought up in a Christian home they weren't practicing Christians they didn't ad adhere to the faith they didn't acknowledge it um, there are very few atheists that can actually articulate um, what Christianity is so what they reject is um, you know something that doesn't exist in the first place and then they grab a hold of you know these Eastern religions and they kind of cherry pick out of them and start doing you know a, a watered down version of what they think that that is and really it's not even eastern so i'm just wondering if you know with christianity getting bigger and bigger within the orient and them seeing that if then like a watered down version of christianity will become much more appealing to them which can be a blessing and a curse because you know some of the stuff that comes out of like the um the philippines 
with these weird, um, not only word of faith movements, but with very strange um, Christian twist traditions. Uh, it really makes you wonder if if that's a good thing or not. Um, it's 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 hard to articulate. It's hard to figure out. Uh, hear the music going now, and I've, I've been able to fill this time. But be sure to keep tuning into the Theology Pit as we get into stuff more and more. Um, and the African tribalism is going to be a really, uh, really interesting one. I, I think you're going to enjoy it. And um, you know, keep me in prayers as I'm going through my ordination exams, and they are loads of fun. But now it's definitely time to close down the pit. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Theology Pit. Please take a moment to rate our podcast and leave a comment about what you like or what you don't like. Each rating and comment helps others discover this show. Don't forget to visit us at thetheologypit.com to make a donation. While on the website, we would appreciate it if you would share these podcasts with your friends and family on social media. Our Facebook page is also titled The Theology Pit. Stop over and give us a like. If you have any questions or topics you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, please write to Samson at thetheologypit.com. That's Samson, spelled S-A-M-S-O-N, at thetheologypit.com. Now, here's a preview of next week's show. I've kind of already given you a preview of next week's show, and uh, you know you picked up on that, and so... Just tune in every week and we'll have more stuff. Please, you know, send me your suggestions if you have any other ideas. If you want me to explore any other religions or maybe dive into like the Calvinism Arminian debate or what have you, um, I can definitely get into that. Uh, I'm probably going to be messing around with Soteriology 101 on, you know, on YouTube. I have been taking apart a lot of Todd Friel's and Wretched Radio's um, theology and some of their approaches to things. But hey, stay tuned because it just gets better and better as we go. This and more on the next Theology Pit. Mm-hmm.